Hello, everyone. This is Kerwin and my buddy. Kushro. And welcome. Um, wow, uh, I didn't think. And what's happening in travel? It's, yes. What's up? Thank you, Kushro. I'm so excited. I forgot about saying that. So we're recording this on Saturday, October 3rd, and it's a new month, and things are getting better somewhat. Uh, so we'll give you some more aviation news. Um, my photo today behind me, I have Concorde. Uh, I flew Concorde from um, Toronto to JFK back on October 2nd, 2003. This is a special flight. And so uh, I have this photo. God, it's 13 years already? Uh, 17. It's two, it was 2003. Sorry. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, yes. it's okay. <laughs> uh, I know. It's nuts, right? Because I think that was the same yeah. year that um, it stopped flying a few months later. That's right. It was yeah. one of their last. Exactly. So. And they were doing these special flights and I happened to catch this one. It was like a thousand Canadian dollars, which I scraped together somehow and did this one time, yeah. this one time. It was repositioning. It had flown uh, New York to JFK, uh, New York to, uh, sorry, London to Toronto flight. And then it was repositioning in JFK to do the JFK to, um, to London flight, which I think might have been the last transatlantic flight it did. Mm. And then, um, so I'm, I'm putting it together a video of it, of all the pictures. And so I'll post that for you guys to see. And Kusha, what do you have in your background? I just have a, a Lufthansa MD-11. You just landing. have? That is an yeah. awesome plane. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it definitely is. So, um, that same day, uh, there was a KLM MD-11 uh, at, at uh, Toronto Pearson as well. I was looking at okay. the photos and I saw that. Cool thing about looking at old photos, you get to see all the old liveries, all the older planes that are no longer in service. And so uh, it's yep. quite interesting. So let's get started. Today we have um, in, uh, in the U.S., uh, just to give a, a little background quickly, in the U.S., we um, uh, a lot of the companies, the U.S. government gave the airlines some funds to keep flying. And that fund ended, uh, I guess, uh, September 30th or October 1st, around there? September 30th, yeah. September 30th. And so what happened is that after that, the airlines now don't have any money to pay the employees. Um, so uh, they've, been, they've been asking prior to this for people to take furloughs and take uh, all kinds of different, different things. But the drop they did was September 30th, and the government didn't come up with a plan to continue paying this fund, so they have to furlough a bunch of people. So the first story we have is, um, Krisha is going to talk a little bit about United and American um, furloughing about 30,000 of their staff. Yeah, this was part of the payroll support program, uh, which in turn was part of this thing called the CARES <laughs> Act that we've talked about earlier. Yeah. And a lot of news organizations have labeled um, October 1st to be the worst day in um, aviation history in North America, because um, as you pointed out, more than 30,000 airline employees, mostly frontline at the airport and on board, lost their jobs or at least were put on furlough. Uh, there were about 13,000 at United and 19,000 at American. Um, so far, the other big airlines have not announced cutbacks yet, which is, we would include Southwest and Delta. But Delta got a lot of people to leave the airline through voluntary retirements and uh, early outs. 
So, but they have not ruled out any further cutbacks. And Southwest says the same because the mm. Southwest has never laid off um, any people ever. Right. And as for the like the smaller carriers like Alaska and Hawaiian, uh, I'm sure those will come online soon. But um, I just thought it was worth pointing out that so many staff have have lost yeah. their jobs. Now there is a plan to reinstate this uh, payroll PSP program, payroll support program. But um, they have said the airlines executives have said that they need it needs to be implemented in the next few days, however that long may mm. be. Yeah. And so far, there's no sign of that uh, uh, happening. Yeah, because they um, said it might take a while to reinstate these people if they're on furlough for a certain amount of time. Right. Um, but, so we'll just have to wait and see. And this was all on the news all across the US at least. Yeah, it's very crazy. So, uh, I sent out a note to my readers yesterday about this. And I said, um, you know, it's if, if I can be, my goal is to try to support um, people. So uh, one of the things is that not every area of the world or I guess uh, every sector is laying off people. So if anyone has positions that are open in their organization, um, please send me an, an email at feedback at .com and I will try to send that out to uh, the readership. I've actually gotten somebody sent a note that said, I think um, Spirit Airlines in Miramar, Florida uh, was actually hiring. It would say spiritair.com slash um, careers. You can go there. And uh, so like Chris was saying, some of the airlines are laying off and some are not. Hmm. So, um, uh, but Give a virtual hug to an airline employee. They're going through a lot of really, really difficult stuff at this moment. And um, is that a up, thing? What's that? A virtual hug? Is that a, is that a thing now? Oh yeah, virtual hugs are always there. <laughs> okay. Facebook even have a little love thing that shows. It's like a hug thing, and it has love and okay. stuff coming off of it. So yeah. Uh, you know, just just reach out to to people, and uh, because behind the airlines are actual people. Um, all right, we have more story um, in another United story. Uh, they are United's trying to get more people to book uh, because um, business people are not traveling, and they're probably not going to be traveling for a while. Um, because you know, if you send people, if business sends somebody out and they get sick, it's their liability because they're the ones who sent them out to work. And so what's United doing to encourage me to travel? So this is a topic that we were supposed to talk about last week in episode 36 and we plain forgot or it just omitted talking about it when actually I thought it was a really cool thing. So I've spoken to you before we started recording, yeah. but anyway, long story short, um, United launched this thing, this online service called Map Search. So when you book, this was supposed to be readily available to you to check. And of course, I had a lot of trouble finding it. And so I had to talk, ask you if you had the same trouble. And of course not, because it was hiding as in plain sight. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, when it's you book. Data, it's in beta, so that's why. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, a part of the Google flight search, but just the uniqueness of it, I thought made it very appealing. 
So it was a direct appeal to leisure customers. As you said, business travel is almost non-existent these days and not expected to recover for several years. But people are traveling more for leisure. And especially over the upcoming Thanksgiving and end of year holiday, Christmas, New Year period, mm-hmm. United is trying to get people to fly. So they launched this, as I said, map search feature. And it gives you all sets of, or a whole set of filters that you can apply to search for a destination and a fare that you can afford. So let's say I'm based in Houston at IAH Airport. You want to go to, let's say, a beach, and you have only $250 to US dollars to spend on a vacation. You enter all those criteria in with your dates, of course, whether or not they're definite or flexible, and up pop all these destinations with the uh, appropriate fares. Now, of course, with my $200, I couldn't get much at all for Christmas. But Christmas, um, Christian, for $200, <laughs> come on. Yes, I have no money, remember. Uh, well, but, yeah, but uh, it's Christmas. You know, it's going to be more. So than I tried. <laughs> I tried living vicariously and put in $700. There we go. (laughs) So I got, I'd really worked all across the world. And I just thought it was such an, it was such a great feature to add to their website. And uh, you can enter destinations like national parks, beaches, beer and breweries. And I never knew that was a thing either. Culture, for instance, it gave you Boston. Food and drink. Hiking, outdoors, romantic, which of course are beaches, uh, skiing and snowboarding, snorkeling and scuba, and other criteria. So um, um, Mileage Plus customers can also use this feature as sort of a map to indicate where they've been, like dots on a map of the world to show where you've been. And uh, this comes a few months after the destination travel guide that United also put out that highlighted all the requirements you had to meet COVID-wise before traveling to a certain destination, which in turn was very similar to something Wizzair in Europe has. And, but, and um, also JetBlue and Southwest has something very similar to that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to point this out because I think it's really interesting to see how far you can fly on whatever your budget is. That's good. So, so that yeah. is actually a, an, an enhancement of the feature that's on um, Google Flights. That's called yeah. Ex- Ex- Explorer, I think it is. Um, so, but is so that something new? Because uh, I'm surprised no one brought it out earlier. All right. So the Google Flights Keep it thing, short, remember. Yeah, well, but it's important though. The Google Play stuff is not new. Um, no, but this ho- however, um, so uh, I used to work for United, uh, well, Continental, and um, and I actually worked on the website years and years and years ago when we just started, 1996. And as years progressed, one of the things that we actually programmed in was exactly this. We just never used it. Okay. Um, yeah, and it, of course, the back then we didn't have all the mapping capabilities and all that, but uh, yeah. you could type in the word beach and it would give you a whole list of destinations that have beaches, and then you would just select that destination. 
The reasoning behind that is that people don't know where beaches are. They just want to go to a beach and they don't really care where the beach is as long as it's a beach. It's why when you hear people talk about the Caribbean, they're like, I want to go to Jamaica because they don't know the rest of the Caribbean exists, but they know Jamaica has beaches. And so that's, yeah. a, that's the concept um, behind that. So I'm glad that they've actually uh, put a marketing thing behind it and put a map and stuff behind it and now it's available. But you know, one thing I wanted to test, like if I wanted to go to a beach, for instance, mm -hmm. in December, mm -hmm. because it would also give me a place like Cape Cod or Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, which mm -hmm. is northeast part of the US, which is going to be freezing at that time of the year. So I wonder if the system was smart enough to know that I wanted a warm beach or any beach. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, it it's probably right. would be an option that you'd have to put in. Or what they should do is that whenever you say beach, um, you go and you and the time of the year, you go and you pull the seasonal temperatures. Um, yeah, yeah. Time, so people would have an idea that oh, because because I but you would I, imagine I, people would know, right? No, they don't. It's in November. No, they don't. Um, okay, so people don't have an idea because. Um, I went to Auckland recently, well, not recently, a few years ago, and um, it was during July. And of course, it, the seasons are flipped, so it's cold. Well, we got off the plane, and people were in shorts and t-shirts, and they were wondering, why was it not warm? Because they don't know, they don't realize, oh, oh, it's Southern Hemisphere, it's July, so it's winter. So yeah, people have no idea. <laughs> anyway, no, I wanted to get it, bring attention to yes. this. Yeah. No, that's good. Because I think and, it was, it's a great, great idea. And since it's in beta... And it's, it's right actually, where you book. It's yeah. actually on the website. It didn't say it anything. It, 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 it is. is. Yeah, if you scroll down to the bottom of the website, you'll see a link and it says beta. Uh, okay. Uh, I think it says book by maps or something like that. Then it says beta and you click on it. Okay. So I hope um, they continue it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so. it, is, a, it is a good feature. Uh, okay. So. More United News. Um, are they flying into JFK again? <laughs> this, is, this is one of the weirdest stories. I think this is like the third try. <laughs> Go back to JFK. They flew it. Then they stopped. Then yeah. they went back. And then again, they stopped in 2015. And now, um, I believe they want to go back into a bigger way. Into JFK in a bigger way. Because previously they had flights from JFK just through the U.S. hubs, right? And those were not doing very well, uh, profitably at least, because uh, Newark has much more O&D traffic and domestic traffic than JFK has. Well, Newark is a hub. So, right? No, but just overall though, yeah. for Newark traffic, it's a bigger domestic airport than um, uh, JFK is. Uh, but uh, the CEO of United, Scott Kirby, has always maintained since 2015 that leaving JFK was a mistake because uh, American and Delta have a virtual monopoly, apart from JetBlue, if you count JetBlue among the big three. But um, so there's no real details and timeline of when this is going to happen and what the routes are going to be from JFK. But they are speculating that they may have transatlantic flights and some transcon transcontinental flights. So I don't know how well that's going to work, 
or if it's going to be that way. But um, I think it would be a little awkward to have to base so many aircraft um, at these three New York airports, but I'm sure United yeah. will find a way to make it to work. It's a little weird. But even if um, they go in, they had Transcon because they had JFK San Fran, I think, and I believe JFK LA. Um, they had, they? yeah, yeah, they had the PS service okay. that they would oh, fly. Oh, but I thought that was New York, though. Um, no, they did them out of JFK okay. before they pulled out. I think they did. I, okay. I'm pretty sure they did JFK. Uh, because they were competing with all all those other yeah. um, so, and, and people have speculated that this may be a retaliatory um, effort against JetBlue, which has, if you remember, we've talked about earlier. Uh, but they've gone into Newark in a big way. But yeah, but it, so, it, like, why would you put an international flight out of JFK when? So that's just pure O and D because you can't have any connection. Yes, um, you know unless you do like British Airways did and you provide transportation from Gatwick to Heathrow as part of your ticket. Yeah. That's what they did. So, so I don't know if they're going to be doing something like that. I'm sure they would feed people um, on any international flights out of JFK. Well, but why would you do it instead of Newark, where you have much better connections and infrastructure and everything? Yeah, stupid. Just to say that you fly to JFK? Yeah. And that Whatever. may be a big deal, though. Uh, well, the customers will tell, right? So, <laughs> so we will uh, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, speaking of JFK, um, I saw some news about Delta and the A220. And I mentioned JFK because JFK Houston is one of the routes that um, yeah. Delta, Delta fly the, uh, the A220, which I flew back in January or February. Yeah, January when I, when I did CES. So, I think um, they've got three pilot bases for the 220. Salt Lake City, Atlanta, right. and New York. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I did actually do the, the Salt Lake City one because we had a conference up in Montana. And so I do in Houston, Salt Lake. I've actually yeah. flown the A320 like, what, two times? Maybe three times now? Um, beautiful plane. So, 220, so not the 320. Sorry, the 220. Uh, so what's going on with it? I mean, are they going to so, drop it? Or what's going yeah, on? Yeah, you had brought this up and I had seen it. Yeah. Um, earlier, that they were grounding the entire fleet. And they never specified why or when. Yeah. And then the story disappeared. If you went back to the same link, there was no evidence of it. And um, it had something to do with pilots and this layoff of slash furlough that Delta was planning on doing. Yeah. Um, of course, this affected the most junior pilots, and most of the Delta junior pilots fly the 220, which is the smallest plane in their fleet, if you discount the 717s. So they okay. said they really didn't have enough pilots to man all these 31 aircraft, and so they were going to ground it. Now I believe they're only going to uh, pull out a fraction of those aircraft. But again, not too many details available, but I don't believe this is a technical or a mechanical issue. Because remember, the 220 has had engine issues. Right. So okay. that's the status of that. It's a very that's fluid. It is because it's a brand new, it's a brand new plane. Right. Um, but you know, of course, you only have certain amount, certain amount of pilots that are certified on them. 
Um, God, this thing is really wrecking the industry. <laughs> uh, all right, testing. Speaking of COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've always said that we need to figure out testing because testing is really what's going to make, make it better or make people feel more comfortable. And so now a whole bunch of airlines are like, okay, we got to do rapid testing. I mean, what happened to trigger all this? What, have you, what are you finding? Well, from the European side, Lufthansa is, has taken a big step in um, having the availability of rapid testing for its passengers mm -hmm. because it's got an extensive international uh, route network. And no surprise, Swiss followed suit. So they have not too many details again, similar to Lufthansa's, but the price differential is huge because Swiss has not really made clear which flights they're going to offer rapid testing for, okay. but the price is expected to be about 10 euros, which is really not a bad price compared to what others are it's doing. It's really not. So, um, this is also in line with Switzerland um, starting a 10-day quarantine period for all passengers um, entering Switzerland. Um, initially, they're going to start with uh, Zurich Airport because that's mm -hmm. the main gateway. And if you test negative from this rapid test, you are encouraged to get one of the PCR tests, which is more definitive because this rapid test is only if uh, accurate in the 80 percentile range, 80 to 85 percentage. Okay. So that's on the European side. And then with, again, we spoke about this last week, Hawaii opening up on October 15th to um, mainland and uh, other traffic. American has offered this uh, free, co not free, but mail-in COVID testing. Uh, JetBlue has, and so has Alaska. So more and more airlines are jumping on this bandwagon of offering these tests. And then this week, I also heard that Tampa Airport in Florida was offering tests to any passengers flying out of Tampa uh, on any airline. Um, oh, okay. For, yeah. Um, they were open from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., seven days a week, um, offering the rapid test for 57 U.S. dollars and the PCR test for 125 U.S. dollars. And you had to do at least 72 hours uh, before your, your flight departure. Okay. So, that's so, that's so I'm sure this list of airports and airlines will grow. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It's almost becoming mandatory. And it, it only makes sense. I mean, the airlines yes. should, should be, the airports and the airlines should be doing this. There is no question about it. Uh, it's going to cost money, yes. But if you don't do it, people are not going to fly. And we yeah. see that. So, um, yeah, they need, they need to get it together. Good Lord. One thing I did want to mention about the JetBlue program, which uh -huh. I had not heard of before, is that they send you a kit at an at-home saliva kit yeah. for testing, and they also have uh, video chat supervised instructions to make sure you're doing it right. So you can, um, if this is with Volt Health, and uh, 
As they say, you are video chat supervised by Vault to ensure the test is done properly. Mailed overnight back to the lab and the results are available at 72 hours. Uh, okay. Starting in Seattle and then extending to all uh, uh, West Coast destinations. I thought that was a unique twist to make sure that passengers are doing it correctly. Yeah, yeah. That's so really because if they're not, they could get a negative result, which would be incorrect, potentially. Right. And that defeats the so, whole the whole purpose. Exactly. Of trying to, exactly. Trying to do this right. Um, so yeah. yeah, I guess it's like trying to get people to tag their own bags. You have to teach them how to do it properly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, good, good. So we're 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 getting places slowly but surely. And um, we've, we've the, our next story. We've talked. We're, we're moving to Asia now, uh, Singapore to be exact. Um, we've talked about all these carriers doing flights to nowhere, and we there was news that Singapore is going to do one. But are they going to do it, Kushro? What's going on? So this was my favorite story of the week. Yeah, and this is I really, really want to go to Singapore for this, but of course I'm not going to be able to. So. Um, I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast, you've been aware we've been talking about for almost months about this flights to nowhere thing, where uh, passengers board a flight at a particular origin airport, fly around somewhere and land at the same airport. Singapore Airlines had thought about doing it given the success of uh, the Taiwanese, the Japanese, the South Koreans, and um, Brunei and Qantas, of course. But they backed down because they faced a lot of opposition from environmentalists and the uh, carbon emissions of these flights. So again, they've um, adapted and I thought produced a brilliant new concept of dining on board a Singapore A380. For some reason, they have one aircraft at Singapore Changi and the other 18, of course, are in storage, I think mostly in Alice Springs in Australia. So um, they have this ability to eat on board the A380 uh, at Changi on the 24th and 25th of October, 2020. Um, reservations open on October 12th, and you can select which, um, cabin you wish to dine in. And as far as I know, business class and economy are open. I'm not quite sure about first class. <laughs> but um, the menu is a special Peranakan cuisine. And if you've never had that, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a combination of Chinese, Malay, Singapore, and Indonesian influences. Um, sounds good. It sound, it's fantastic. The food is amazing. Um, and of course, you have um, special discounts when you get there. And you also get a goodie bag if you dress up in authentic heritage costume. I don't exactly know what that means. But um, okay, that's interesting. Anyway, I'm sure the, the Singaporeans would know what that if this if it's the sarong or whatever. Yeah. But you can also use miles to book. Um, and I'm surprised they only have uh, two days, but this is something I really wanted to go for. Hmm. And no prices yet. Yeah. And uh, then of course, 
this that was the first thing they did. The second one was that um, they wanted to appeal to passengers who miss the in-flight menu offerings of Singapore Airlines. And I would absolutely be one of those people. Um, so you will be able to order meals created by Singapore Airlines kitchen staff in their homes. You have the first class and business class menus. There are 10 of them available. And of course, every meal will feature that traditional starter, the satay, which is the skewer and the peanut sauce and your select choice of wine or champagne. And for an extra payment, now this is a new twist, you can have a private chef from Singapore Airlines come and heat up the food for you at your home before eating it. So they're, they're, they're going to your home in addition to the plane? In addition, that's yes, there are, it's a three-pronged approach to try and raise revenue. First, eat on board the 380, that eat at home with or without a Singapore Airlines chef to heat up the food for you. Mm -hmm. And the third one um, is that you can also book a tour of the Singapore Airlines training center at Changi. Okay. Uh, you have four days of tours over the last two weekends in November. Yeah. You can talk to pilots and cabin crew and uh, you can view the simulators. As far as I know, you cannot fly them, but who knows? Yeah, and in-flight meals um, available for purchase. And this is across all cabins. Uh, no, I'm, I take that back. You can actually use the simulators, uh, sample wines. And uh, for kids, they haven't specified the age cutoff. You can dress up as a Singapore Airlines flight attendant. So that's cool, though. That's getting I the local people in to right. do the cool stuff. And then and, on a related, so those are the three approaches Singapore yeah. is using. Okay. And then Changi Airport, which of course is um, arguably the best in the world, is doing something else to raise cash for about 18 Singapore dollars, so 13 US. Um, you can go and work in um, Jewel Lounge at Changi for four hours with free Wi-Fi, coffee, tea, and pastry. Okay. That's so, good. And I guess they, they can use the Jewel Lounge because it is actually outside the airport. That was my question. I was going to check that, but forgot. Yeah, it's inside. So it's outside uh, security? Yeah, it's inside that, okay. that new thing that they built, the Jewel thing, huh. um, which has a big waterfall in the middle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like this garden. That thing. new, is it? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That's actually new. They they didn't have that piece before, and you see it when you go in between the terminal. I think between terminal three and two, the train actually goes right through it. Okay. Yeah. The last time I was through there, which was earlier this year, um, I didn't get a chance to so, go in there. But yeah, so that's pretty cool. And this was reported in a whole bunch of uh, publications, and I got it from Reuters and Airline Geeks. So. <laughs> I don't know why people so, you know, the whole environmentalist thing is like, we haven't flown in the planes in nine months. Uh, you know, and I know the environmentalists probably oh. get on me, but um, really, they're, they're, they're trying to raise some money. They're trying to keep the airline going. Um, I, yeah, but, you know, Singapore is very big on their, um, what people say about them. 
So um, yeah, yeah. Glad they've come up with something else that uh, that actually, you know, yeah. is workable. And um, um, speaking of uh, flights to nowhere, um, mm-hmm. you had brought up this issue about uh, you know whether airlines were m- making money, but clearly they must be because yeah. the Taiwanese who have really taken the lead on this recently announced that they're adding new flights just going to Japan, for instance, flying over Japan and coming back yes, without yes. landing in Japan. And they're also doing this um, for Jeju Island, which is a huge beach destination for South Koreans and also yeah. a lot of Asians. Yeah, it's, so this really does not seem to be dying down. So airlines no. must be making money off of this. Yeah, they, they certainly are. I mean, it's, so, uh, you know, I mean, I mean what, and also the pilots are getting uh, right. Training. The pilots, the cabin crew, the aircraft. Uh, every, everyone is everyone is staying current. I don't think people understand how aviation works. Um, they they only see so, one side of it, and they don't see the other side of it. And you really need to see all sides of it. Um, we yeah. cannot function without airplanes because we need food, and food. We don't grow, everything we grow is not in one place. And all the people who are complaining, I guarantee you they're doing it on their iPhones. And last time I checked, the iPhones are made in China and they're shipped from China to everywhere else that you buy them. So unless Plus you- don't forget Amazon. Uh, well, exactly. All these. So unless you live in China, you can't go, and, and even then you probably have to get the phone shipped to you <laughs> if you live in another province. <laughs> So I don't think people understand oh. what they're talking about when they talk about it, but you know, it is what it is. Um, all right, Kishro, we are at half an hour. <laughs> I say let's go. Let's keep going. Well, we've got we've got six more topics, so that's not that's going to be an hour. You know that. So no. what we can do, we we can we can cut episode thirty. Is it thirty-seven? We are. We yes. Can, this is thirty-seven, and then we can do another episode thirty-eight. Okay, let's do it. it. All right, so uh, we're we're trying to be mindful of your time, so we don't want to go too long. So we're going to cut this episode because we have more cool stuff to to talk to you about. So um, we are on Spotify, we are on Amazon Music, and uh, we're on iTunes, we're on all the podcasting um, things out there. And if you have a podcast player, just search on What's Happening in Travel and you will find us, subscribe to us. Download us, um, leave us a review. It's very important you leave us a review because we want to know what you're saying. And also, excuse me, what is it that you want to hear about? So this is Kerwin and my buddy. For sure. And we are signing off. See you guys soon.